Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, made it through week one. Here we go, on, on to week two. We get our uh, first full week of, uh, of the worksheet of actual, uh, you know, going in and, and adapting two games. Uh, so after uh, after first full week, how are we feeling? A little, little slow, a little tired still, but it was great to have football back. You know, on Sunday, the games were were good. You know, I was just having a blast just all day, enjoying the, the tweets and the games. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. We've got a really good slate here and a bunch of good games in week two. So I'm excited about the, the NFL season going here. Yeah, it was definitely uh, a little bit to to get into it. The uh, adapting yeah. and and setting the whole entire just figuring out how to watch all of the games at the same time is not it, there was no preseason for that so uh, it was uh, while sitting down and, and trying to write uh first and ten on sunday night after that I, I have no idea what i just processed and, and what i would just watch so that was uh, that was definitely a uh, a little bit of just trying to it's gonna it's gonna take a couple weeks i think before uh before we get our, our legs under and and trying to actually like figure out how uh how everything is going to work. And I think like that's we can take away from week one, like because it was week one mm-hmm. and we got football back, we want to like make all of these, you know, sweeping conclusions. Uh, but uh, it's, we want to sit back just, just a, a little bit before uh, we, we think that everything that happened in week one is, is what's going to uh, carry us through the rest of the season. I mean, I'm here for 11 Curtis Samuel targets a week. Uh, I'm for those though. Well, sure, and, those. and two Terry McLaurin. Targets, right? That we know how the target. Uh, I'm, I'm fully on Jahan Dawson. Very good. Um, I think that's the takeaway we can have from from Washington because we're, we're not going to really talk about Washington that much uh, or at all uh, in this podcast. But uh, Jahan Dawson, uh, very good. Like what? Three targets, two touchdowns. Sure, we'll we'll keep going with that. Um, well, OJ yeah. Howard is going to score 32 touchdowns uh, on six routes a game. <laughs> yeah, all the all the on pace stats. Oh, oh yeah, those are good. Uh, and, and people went at next level this year. They were doing like them after a quarter this year. They're like, yeah. this guy's on pace to have three hundred touchdowns. People were pulling those out real early. Uh, yeah, that was that was good. So we're uh, going to just dive into uh, the games uh, this week. We we do have some good games. Um, again, we're going to do some of the top games of the week, and then we're going to highlight a spotlight game from, from each of us just to, you know, keep this thing going. And so, again, we're not going, because this is, we're recording on Thursday, mm-hmm. we're usually not going to spend a lot of time talking about the Thursday games. But last week we had to because it was the first game of the year. This week we have to because it's Chargers Chiefs and that is a fun as hell game that there's no way we're not going to talk about that. So if you're listening to this after Thursday, after this game has happened, I would apologize, but there's no way we can get through this podcast without talking about what could potentially be like one of the most fun games of the season, especially after what happened in week one. Um, You know, we spent all off season talking about what is this Chiefs offense going to look like? And then it's just like, oh, it's just going to score a crap set of points. And it's not really going to matter uh, what it looks like. Uh, so we kind of like came in and the Chiefs, uh, what did I tweeted this out yesterday? The Chiefs averaged. Uh, Basically a first down of play. Yeah, uh, pretty much. So <laughs> the gap between the Chiefs and the number two team in EPA per drive was bigger than the gap between number two and number 21. So that's how uh, efficient the, the Chiefs were. And it, and it happens that like the Cardinals defense was, was not very good. Uh, you know, get into how often they were blitzing uh, and everything because it was, you know, one of the two times that Mahomes has been blitzed, you know, more than 50% of his dropbacks. Uh, but at the same time, when you look at what Mahomes was doing, when he only saw four, when he saw four fewer pass rushers in that game, 0.74 EPA per drop back, he was 16 and 19, 12.9 yards per attempt. So it's not like the Cardinals were doing any better when they didn't blitz. And, you know, we were talking about when we talked about it earlier in the week, the Cardinals were already down so many guys. So they really didn't have a choice. So I'm not mm-hmm. completely like, you know, that was a terrible game plan. Like they, it was a you know screw it if you do screw it if you don't right. because it, they they didn't have another option. It just happens to be like the Chiefs had an answer for absolutely everything, and I think that's going to be like really scary going through the season. 
we got a really good inkling, I think, of the Chiefs in the preseason. They were one of those teams that I feel like, you know, they showed, they 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 kind of showed us in the preseason, like they were what they were going to do. And they used two tight ends a lot. There was two tight ends on the field a lot in that game. Uh, they used some three uh, tight end sets yep, too. Like yep. they're, they're mixing some stuff up. They still yeah. did their best stuff from 11, but like there's enough looks where they're going to be able to, you know, mix and match and, and do whatever they want out of anything. And Mahomes was just so sharp in the preseason. Again, you know, we're not just going like, oh, he has a preseason looks so great. But like it rolled right over. Like the, the first team offense looked really good in the preseason and it rolled right over. And we saw some teams that didn't really play their first team at all in the preseason take a while to get going. And some didn't get going at all in week one. Uh, and the Chiefs were one of those teams Like I had a really good feeling about them coming in. I mean, so did you. And then, you know, we had a real good feeling about the matchup and we talked the Cardinals, like you said, that was kind of how I wrote it up too. When I got to the, the Cardinals Raiders game was like that, the advanced, like they just did what they had to do. Right. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a thing like the game plan was like, we have to just like blitz Mahomes. So we think it's gonna be successful. They're just kind of in a bucket of like, what else can we do? <laughs> and uh right. you know it was, it was it was just tough sledding all day i mean and then the, the this chief's run game we we knew was going to be better too this is going to be more of like they're going to have more of a power element to them uh, and i think we'll see that you know when they can just like grind teams out especially late in games uh, i don't know if we'll see that here but like because this one we want to be a shootout obviously when these two teams met last year it was a ton of fun both games uh in the two time two games that these teams played they scored combined on 49 percent of their drives so we basically saw, saw a score one every two possessions they scored a touchdown on 39 percent of their drives almost 40 percent almost no punts uh so i'm hoping we get that again uh tonight yeah and it's one of those things where you know the I expect both defenses to be a little better. Um, and the, the Chiefs thing is um, when you just kind of look at how they were going to spread the ball around, like it, it doesn't matter, right? We kind of like wondered, you know, the whole thing is how you, you you replace Tyreek Hill. And like they didn't really in the deep game because, again, it was this place where the Chiefs didn't need to throw deep, right? They were fine sitting back, uh, you know, throwing short, throwing to the intermediate, Um you know, Mahomes had a 23.1% intermediate rate of throws between uh, 11 and 19 air yards. Um, you know, uh, when there were only four pass rushers, that was at 36.8%. So, like, they're going to kill that intermediate area of the field. And that's pretty much, like, where everybody wins, right? That's where Travis Kelsey is going to win. Like, they they really picked on Isaiah Simmons uh, in that game. Like, whenever yeah. Isaiah Simmons was, was matched up against Kelsey, it was, like, they were going there. Uh, so, that like, that's uh, a piece that's going to you know, really be interesting for the Chiefs because like they, they don't need to hit those those long plays because they can just manufacture stuff in, in the middle of the field like that. Um, and it's still going to have yards after the catch they're, because they're so spread out. They use, uh, I wrote about this in first and 10, they used empty like more than they had at, at any point last year. Almost 25% of Mahomes dropbacks came from empty and they were like doing some fun stuff. Like they were motioning into empty. Um, so it, it was a lot of that. When he was in empty, 13.2 yard A dot. So that's kind of where they took uh, their deep shot. There was a lot of intermediate stuff. The stuff that actually worked was in the, intermediate game they had like a 30 like six yard that should have been like a, a probably like 60 yard touchdown to a McCall Hardman um, Mahomes just overthrew it a little bit but it was like working on a one-on-one on the outside so that might be like where some of those shot plays come in where they're spreading teams out horizontally now to hit those vertical shots and I think like when you know, we have you know how those defenses are playing that's how it, you're going to have to start manipulating uh some of that spacing a little bit but you know, that's an added element to to what the Chiefs are going to do. So, like, there's just so many different ways that this Chiefs offense is going to be attacking this year. Uh, and that's, like, it was really cool to see in week one. And obviously, it wasn't, you know, the biggest test on defense, especially mm-hmm. with how injured Arizona was coming into the game. Um, so, going into what they do against the Chargers. And, you know, we didn't get to, like, fully see what the Chargers defense uh, was going to look like. But it it played, you know, well enough. Um, you know, without J.C. Jackson, we don't, as of recording, we don't know if J.C. Jackson is going to play. Uh, he's questionable. Um, Ian Rappaport uh, reported this morning that it's uh, because J.C. Jackson has, like, an extra bone in his foot um, that he was born with. And, like, it's just been mm. causing him some pain. Uh, so uh, we'll see. You know, the Chargers aren't necessarily the team where, or sorry, the, the Chiefs, the way they're playing, aren't necessarily you know the team where you're going to need the J.C. Jackson because there is like no number one guy. Um, but with the Chargers, you know, we kind of saw what 
Derwin James uh, can do. You look at where he was lined up, three snaps on the line of scrimmage, 14 in the box, 19 in the slot, two wide, and, and 20 as a deep safety. So, like, they were moving him all around. They had some, like, fun blitz packages where they were uh, doing that. So uh, I'm interested to see what the the Chargers, you know, continue to do. And if J.C. Jackson is on the field, like, it unlocks what you can do with Derwin James uh, mm-hmm. a little more. And then I think we kind of saw, like, Khalil Mack went off. We had some, some good Joey Bosa snaps. Like, this is going to be a, a, a fun a Chargers defense. Yeah, they 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 played a lot more light box because of the the Raiders, you know, coming out. The Raiders played so much eleven personnel. They got Matt Collins out there getting a lot of exercise last week, so it just kind of dictated kind of what kind of defense they're playing. Because a lot of people say, "Well, the Chargers, they, look at they came out and gave up, you know, six yards per carry again." It was just, you know, that was still just kind of by design, you know, by by what the Raiders were doing, kind of personnel wise. Uh, I'm very excited to see that that Derwin plays. You know, I put in the worksheet the kind of the the, the this matchup. You know, with Kelsey and Derwin, and the splits are pretty jarring. Like when I actually got to look at the stuff when Derwin was on off the field, not, not just games where Derwin played, but actually like in games when on off the field, and the splits are pretty 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 unique here. I mean, since you know Derwin James entered the NFL. In games they played the Chiefs and Derwin's been on the field, Kelsey's caught 16 of 30 targets. That's 53% for 159 yards, 9.9 yards per catch, and zero touchdowns. That's with Derwin on the field. He's also only been targeted on 20.8% of his routes uh, for 1.1 yards per out run. And then with Derwin off the field, Kelsey's caught 28 of 38 targets, 74%, 409 yards, 14.6 yards per catch, four touchdowns. He's been targeted on 31% of his routes. 3.3 3.3 yards per route run. Those are jarring splits. Like they're not even like, they're not even just like, Oh, he's a little bit better. It's like they're night and day. So I'm very excited uh, to actually get like a full Derwin Kelsey match again tonight. Yeah. And you've kind of figured like, that's where they're going to use him. I mean, they had Derwin on like everybody. I think there, mm-hmm. there was like some snaps where he was over Adams just because of like, that's how the defense like was going, but he had some snaps uh, against Waller. Um, he's had some of his like best man coverage snaps against Waller. And that's the thing they, they've done when they've played the Raiders. So uh, yeah, very interesting to see. So on the other side of the ball, and I don't feel bad. And, and, and I wouldn't put a lot of stock in what happened to Asante Samuel last week. Like, listen, yeah Dante Adams still really good sure yeah and when like it's going to be like a like 40 percent target share or like a 48 percent target share like uh like Devontae Adams did like there's only so much I mean what a clinic like what route running clinic that game too like it wasn't like like it was uh, like Devontae Adams was in his bag on Sunday yeah and I think like that's (laughs) one of the you know interesting things we we saw like the the guys who were traded for and like switching teams made a, a pretty significant impact early and and teams you know made that type of just effort to to get those guys involved and accentuate traits uh, and have them be you know obviously big parts of the offense when you're giving up like multiple first round picks for for some of these guys it, it makes sense uh, but yeah so we saw that oh, I'm not totally expecting uh, that to be happening to uh, Asante Samuel all year like that yeah, just, here. It, it's yeah, it's yeah. a tough draw tough draw yeah. big one. Um, on the other side of the ball, like we're not going to have Keenan Allen, um, yeah. which is tough and also kind of gives me some of the oh, slight hesitation I have with this Chargers offense because there is there's no speed here. And I think like yep, that was talked about kind it. of saw uh, in in week one. There was a lot of it was a little bit like more of the the same of what we saw, like Justin Herbert is a robot. He's going to make some crazy throws like that. Um that throw the up the middle of the touchdown to DeAndre Carter um, was just absolutely insane. And like really funny because literally two plays before that Derek Carr tried to make the same throw did not have the same juice and it was intercepted. Um, and it was as the, the, you know, the linebackers dropping into coverage uh, Carr just couldn't get it there. Cause he doesn't have the arm and didn't have the timing. Uh, so he threw an interception to the dropping linebacker uh, two plays later, Herbert throws the touchdown, uh, you know, over the linebacker because he's Justin Herbert and he can make that throw. Um, but when you kind of look at it, we kind of saw the same, like kind of early down type things where they're okay with like taking the check down. And Justin Herbert is like a robot in a sense where like, He's always going to find the check down. Uh, but on, on early downs, he had 
0.01 average seconds to throw. And that was the highest um, among all quarterbacks. So like he was looking for stuff to happen, but then was taking the check down because he had a 6.12 yard a dot, which was one of the lowest. Um, So uh, like there wasn't a lot developing down the field. And when Keenan Allen's in there, like that's fine because you can find him in in those short passes uh, and that's going to work it. But without that, um, uh, I'm a little worried, but like the, the difference between last year is at least the short passes that Herbert was throwing was, were, were efficient, right? He had the highest EPA per play on first mm-hmm. and second down uh, in week one. So like that was the difference between last year where uh, first and second down wasn't efficient at all. Uh, and then he was going, you know, God mode on third down. So at least these throws were efficient, but in terms of like getting these throws downfield and like the throws we kind of want Herbert to make um, they weren't there. And it wasn't like a design in the way that like the chiefs and like the bills, when the bills were playing like 75% of Josh Allen's throws were like within two and a half seconds. Like they wanted to like scheme up those short throws. That wasn't necessarily the case for the chargers because he had like over three seconds to throw on average. So he was like sitting back there trying to make things happen and and things just weren't really developing down the field. So that's going to be my concern a little bit for this chargers offense. Like I think throughout the season really, because they just, they don't have that like really vertical threat. Who's going to like, really have that deep speed that's going to, you know, push that ball and make the defense really account for what's happening down the field. Are you speaking my language, man? I've been here all, <laughs> all summer, all summer. This yeah. is my one thing with the chargers is that they don't have any vertical elements. And, you know, you look at this and I know we've kind of battled uh, internally on the site about this stuff, you know, with the blaming Joe Lombardi, like they don't have anybody that warrants downfield targets. Mike Williams, the closest guy they have. And Mike Williams is a very much like a Devontae Parker-ish type receiver. And like, you know, he's not going to create a lot of separate separation, you know, on his own to like to run like digs. He's going to win the 50-50 deep ball. Those are what he's going to get. Um, the contested catch targets, but they don't have any guys that can just win downfield. So with Keenan Allen being out too, you know, it, it kind of hurts. You'll probably see a lot more Austin Eckler in the past game than we did in week one. I mean, Austin Eckler only ran 13 routes last week. That's not going to happen tonight. I definitely don't believe that that would be the case tonight. Uh, so we'll probably see a lot more of him, but it's the same story. Yeah. Uh, with the, with the Chargers. I mean, until I see them acquire a speed guy or start scheming up some things for these guys, I'm going to keep believing it's going to be a bugaboo for them. And we're going to continue to see Justin Herbert have to win on some long down and distances like he did again in week one, uh, throwing laser beams. I mean, the throw he threw to Gerald Everett on the touchdown was insane too. Like just absolutely stupid. Uh, not many guys are making that throw can throw with that kind of velocity and then put it on a guy that ball caught Everett. Everett didn't catch that pass. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the, I did like though that they incorporated so many people though last, last week. I mean, you know, that was the thing that, the last year's Chargers team couldn't really do uh, every, no one had more than four targets. Obviously that would have been different if Keenan Allen plays the entire game. He was, uh, he was on fire to start the game. Uh, but yeah, they get, you're going to see like Josh Palmer has a role to start the year this year. Deandre Carter uh, had a, everyone talked about him all preseason. They had stuff for him when he came, had to come into the game and get snaps. Gerald Everett was being utilized. So they, they have a lot more like individual pieces, a lot like what the chiefs did in week one. So uh, I'm excited to kind of see them if they can continue that. I, I do think we're going to see a lot more Austin Eckler tonight than what we did in week one. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think we'll, we'll see some more running backs. I think we'll, we'll see Gerald Everett more involved too. Uh, you know, he, he looked good, but that mm-hmm. the touchdown, um, you know, and you know, the, the ball found him, but they're making that effort after the catch to kind of, you know, turn around and find the end zone. Uh, I think was was nice. So I think like having a, a nice, decent, like tight end target there who can, you know, move a little more like Jared Cook was able to like find open space, but you know, he was also he was like 34 years old. Years old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, having some youth and then having a, a little bit more juice uh, in that area, I think is going to help. So not uh, a fun game. Uh, excited to, uh, to watch it. So let's move on. Another game I'm really excited to watch uh, on, on Sunday now, as we move on to some of those games. Uh, Dolphins and Ravens. So Dolphins, we kind of, you know, got new uh, proof of concept, at least from like the scheme of what this is going to be, right? Uh, we looked at you know, 75% uh, motion, right? Like that was 
it, it had like Tyreek Hill on like CFL like motions where, you know, he was, you know, taking some of that jet or orbit motion and like moving toward the line, like forward toward the line of scrimmage, like at the snap. So they got him like a running start, well, which was the fun. There were like some downfield throws where like Tua wasn't fantastic, um, but it, it was, he was fine. And I think like he'll improve throughout the year. So I think like some of more of those open throws will like he'll, he'll hit them. I'm not, to concern there um you'll get like he was 17 percent of his uh, dropbacks were rollouts that was the second highest uh from sports info solutions so um i'm really interested to see like what this offense looks like and we like we're so interested in what the personnel was going to be right but the only 40 percent uh, of their mm-hmm. plays were in 11 personnel that was 29th uh, among teams in week one um they had 39 3.9 percent uh in 21 which was second that was only behind the ravens um but when you look at like you know, when they were in 12, negative uh, 0.02 EPA per play uh, from 12, but they were 0.38 EPA uh, per play from 11. Um, and I think a lot of that helps because they had a, a 42 yard touchdown on a fourth and seven from uh, Jalen Waddle. So uh, when, but like that's the type of play you're, you're looking for, right? Uh, it's a nice, like accurate ball in between like three defenders and you have the speed to take that type of throw and, and run after the catch. So, I'm, I'm interested to see how this develops, right? Because we, we saw it was a lot of open throws. Um, you know, it, it, Tua wasn't doing a lot outside of the offense, uh, but I don't quite think that's going to be necessary for this offense to, you know, be pretty good. Yeah, the Dolphins, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a fantasy stance. They were extremely frustrating week yeah, one. I, I yeah, mean, I can imagine that. It's – and – Dude, I mean, they use motion on every single play, and it makes the, what it, and what it does, it just kills the play value. It, like everything is everything gets called with like two seconds on the play. Yeah, clock. They, that was a, <laughs> it was a slow offense. Yeah, and especially because like they had a lead for most of the time. Right. They still passed a bunch, but you know, they they weren't hurrying. Yeah, guys are moving pre-snap every single play. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't snap the ball fast. So that's set up. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, coming to this in the game is going to be interesting because the offensive line for Miami was, didn't play particularly well. And they yep. are probably going to be out both starting tackles and Taron Armstead and Austin Jackson. I mean, Austin Jackson, whatever. But uh, Taron Armstead, losing Taron Armstead already. And this is the thing you get with Taron Armstead. Like, they're getting the yep. Taron Armstead yeah, that experience. Was, that was why he uh, was available for what he was Yep, at the time, yep. yeah. So we'll see if he's able to play because the one element of the Ravens that was still that that we saw bounce back was the defense. But they too that they the, the Ravens were an equally frustrating offense. Like they did what they could in that game, made the big plays, but also were not efficient at any level. Uh, just just lived on big plays. The Ravens were under center a lot, which for them you typically don't see. They couldn't run the football. It was the fewest amount of rushing yards they've ever had in a Lamar Jackson start. Uh, it, it's this game to me is like a screaming under like you might we might get two touchdowns in this game yeah or like we could also get like seven because like there's coverage breakdowns and, and we're just seeing like uh you know it's going to be more designed uh for the chiefs but lamar jackson had the highest a dot uh in the league in, in week one so it, it got to a point where Lamar was just like, screw it, I'm going deep. And we kind of saw that with the, the Duvernay touchdown. We saw it with the, the breakdown in the Rashad Bateman touchdown, um, which was a lot of fun. But there was just, it, it got to a point where Lamar was just it, it, trying to make things happen uh, downfield. And, and they were kind of the opposite. They had a lot of no huddle, um, you know, and it was just kind of, we're going to, it looked a little early um, Ravens last year where, uh, they were just kind of trying to spread the ball out. And it was just like, well, Lamar tried to make a, a play down the field because we don't really have anything else. Neither of these teams could run the ball. Um, in, uh, in no, I mean, one. that's the Ravens. Um, and, and Miami couldn't yeah. either. And they were trying to like, they kind of had to run because like they want to show those run looks so they can use the play action off of it. But none of those runs were, were effective. So like, that's kind of going to be one of those things. And, and you don't want to be putting, you know, uh, Tua in, you know, long down in distance. Um, yeah. And that's kind of one of those, especially with, with some of these defenses, right? Because I think like both of these defenses showed some like really fun looks um, that it is going to be like real cool to see like how, both of these continue to evolve um going forward and like there was like um 
you know, Miami didn't blitz a lot. Like it wasn't that that high blitz rate that we kind of saw last year, but they were so good at creating free rushers. Uh, there was a play um, where they like, uh, pushed Jerome Baker down to the line of scrimmage and Emmanuel Ogba just like shifted just a little bit uh, before the snap and so the the tackle went out to go and block Baker and Emmanuel Ogba is, is a free rusher on Mac Jones and had like absolutely no time so they didn't have a super high pressure rate but when they did 1.7 seconds average to from snap to pressure uh, for the Dolphins. So like that was uh, just one of those things we're going to, you know, continue to see. They're going to, you know, manipulate the line of scrimmage where they can get some free rushers. Um, And remember last year, like this was the cover zero game, right? This is when Miami just like was blitzing Lamar Jackson as much as they could. And like the Ravens like couldn't do anything. Uh, I think though, if that happens, I don't think that's going to happen, but if they do, I think, you know, the Ravens have, a, you know, a couple more answers uh, where the, the pass game should be a little better. But yeah, I think like there was there was a lot of fun stuff from the from the Miami side of the defense, too. Yeah, I mean, I look at the week one and the Ravens, all my fears were kind of about this offense still there. Uh, yeah. They Do they have enough actual, you know, playmaking talent outside of Mark Andrews? And Bateman did not really play a lot. And I mean, imagine that he'll, he'll play a lot more moving forward. Uh, and then that this offensive line and the backfield is going to be issues. They just have like a talent deficiency on offense, really outside of Lamar Jackson and a couple yeah. of players. And we'll see. It looks like J.K. Dobbins is trending towards at least dressing and, and probably getting on the field some this week. Uh, Juwan James, uh, you know, is out for the year now who filled in for Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley's still in the problem not going to play so that's going to be another whole salt left tackle uh you know this they start moving parts up front uh the ravens are a team i expect to probably get better as things go along but for one week like that was like what i feared the ravens were going to look like and it was cool to get by on the jets uh that way but like i don't know if that's something that's going to be sustainable you know uh, but the defense is what we were looking for. You know, you we were just looking for that, that the Ravens D to bounce back. And like you said, they were doing a lot of creative things too, able to get a lot of pressure. Um, but that's a game, like a lot of big plays went the Ravens way. That game could have been a lot tighter than what it was. Yeah. Playing possibly yeah, anyone, but, but the Jets, um, <laughs> but it, so let's go back to the Ravens defense because they're, was some like kind of wanted to know what that structure under you know Mike McDonald was going to look like, and uh, they they did some really cool things. Um, almost half their snaps, forty seven point six percent, were in dime, and a lot of it was like the the three safety looks with um, with Chuck Clark, uh, Marcus Williams, and Kyle Hamilton on the field together. And the only snap that Kyle Hamilton played that wasn't in dime was the interception to to Marcus Williams where Williams was just kind of you know sitting in that that middle like very middle of the field like almost playing like a Michael linebacker type uh and, and forced the interception so like they had they had some like real creative looks and when you have three guys like that who were moving all around the field um Rachel Clark had, had three snaps at the line of scrimmage 32 in the box 17 in the slot and 28 deep uh Williams was you know 15 in the box and he was mostly deep at 50 six of his snaps but Hamilton 10 snaps in the box 10 snaps in the slot 21 teams from you know PFF so when you can just have three safeties like that you can move them all over the field you have no idea what the actual like look uh and coverage is going to be and that's one of the you know the really fun things and then you have some of the pressure they were bringing Patrick Queen you know up to the line of scrimmage and just having one of the safeties like be the like act as as the linebacker in the box um so there was just so many you know fun looks that i think uh it's going to be interesting to see like what it does off of like the the play action and, and the boot that you know the the dolphins are going to want to bring but um when you have you know just all of those guys i, I really want to see what this ravens defense looks like like throughout the year because it it seems like they they got started. Um, they have some fun stuff on early downs. They were still bringing some pressure on third down. So they still have like some of that, that heavy blitzing and stuff, you know, mugging up the line of scrimmage and everything. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun game. Like two teams where like schematically, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see how they develop throughout the season. All right. So if we move on here, Vikings and Eagles, um, these are, are two teams that we were, you know, fairly high on uh, going into the season, and we kind of looked at, you know, the we all always talked about 
what is Justin Jefferson going to look like uh, in this? You know, and, and it wasn't even like the Cooper Cup role because he still played like seventy five percent of his snaps, um, like on, on the outside. He wasn't, you know, in this slot that often. But what Minnesota did to just like work through uh, the Green Bay defense, you know, the Green Bay was going to sit back in zone. They had all of those. You know, they played. Um, you know, so much quarters, almost half their snap was in quarters and you know, all Minnesota did, they didn't motion a lot, like 54% of their snaps. Uh, and that was 13th, but they used the right motion all of the time. And, and they just kind of knew what the coverage responsibilities were going to be. And they used the motion to manipulate uh, all of that coverage. So, you know, you have that, that first touchdown on the goal line, they motion Thielen first mm-hmm. to see if it's, uh, you know, man or zone, no one goes over with Thielen. So they know it's going to be zoned. So then at the snap, they motion Jefferson. This That's a play Green Bay use all the time with Devontae Adams, that that jet motion at the snap uh, to make him wide open. And, and Jefferson's wide open because no one follows him after the snap. Um, and then you look at uh, the the other touchdowns, they were, they were using crossers um, and just kind of manipulating all the, the coverage responsibilities, right? The, the one, uh, you know, no one follows Jefferson. And then the, the second big play he has, it goes for like 20 yards, um, you know, the, the leverage there, because the safety has to come down in that part of the field. And you're just like, when you have a safety coming deep and Jefferson crossing, there's just not going to be a guy there. So I'm really interested to see now what that, looks like against Philadelphia who uses a lot of, you know, the same, mm-hmm. you know, coverages that, that green Bay wanted to. So I'm sure they're going to be a little more prepared. There might not be as many communication breakdowns, but kind of the point of this Minnesota offense is that they're going to make you have communication breakdowns because they're going to make you pass off as some of these routes. So when you look at Philadelphia, they use, you know, almost 38% um, quarters in, in week one. And that was second behind green Bay. So like, they're going to see some of the same, work so philadelphia like really has to be uh uh just more they have to be looking more at their responsibilities and be like a lot more sound uh in how they pass off some of these routes because if not the vikings are just gonna you know pick them off and have no problems like kirk cousins did not have like he wasn't it wasn't bombs away like kirk cousins had one of the lowest uh a dots in the league uh in week one because like they just were, you know, picking the the empty spots in coverage and that's all they needed to do. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was kind of what we wanted to see from the Vikings week one and they, and who knows what would have happened if the Packers would have been more game and, and had more punch in the second half to even kind of keep pushing them because they kind of turned everything off at a certain point in that game too. Uh, yeah. The Vikings have that vibe of like, if you're going to be a zone based defense, you're going to be in some trouble, but then what do you do? Like, what's the counter, right? Like the, the Eagles have good defensive backs, but you don't also don't want Justin Jefferson just in one-on-one coverage either. So like, right. it's, it's, it's a really kind of a tight box to be in. I mean, but he was buck naked. on like four or five targets. Like, yeah. I mean, just no, I mean, he actually, ju- he put a move on a ghost defender. Cause he thought someone might, was, he, he was like shocked. He was, yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one, the one where he called, he was like, Oh, I'm going to have to make someone miss. And it was and just he, like, Oh no, yeah, there's no he, one like, there. Back. Yeah, there was just nobody there. Uh, yeah. You know, um, yeah, if you're gonna play zone against the Vikings, though, I mean, they, you've got to do you, you've got to have some more communications. And, and the Eagles do; they had some issues in Week One. Yeah, uh, obviously, you have two safeties that haven't spent a lot of time together, also playing with and the Eagles in the back end. Um, but yeah, it, Jonathan Gannon has been since he's been with the Eagles. They've run the eighth highest rate of zone coverage. So, like, are, is he gonna come out of his shell? Um, but like I said, I mean, I'm not, if you're the Vikings, like you're also just inviting, like, yeah, Darius Slay's a great player. James Bradbury is a really good player. But like, I also will be happy if my guy, Justin Jefferson's in one-on-one coverage with those guys. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe we see a little more of the ancillary guys. We see a little more, you know, stuff rolled to Justin Jefferson uh, to account for him. I mean, Joe Barry just didn't make the proper adjustments though in that game at all. Uh, you hear Jair, Jair Alexander after the game talk about it. There was some frustration definitely going on back then. We'll see a, when these two teams play again, I'm curious to see how the Packers will approach yeah, it. Yeah, but, but that was that was the thing though, where like, uh, I think Barry and LaFour said like, yeah, we could play man coverage, but then that changes everything yeah. you want to do on defense. So you like you can't be playing you know quarters as much as you want. Like that's a, a like a quarters based defense. Um, so uh, that's really like what's going to stand out with this the Eagles defense because like it's it's a very similar structure. 
Um, so if they do want to play man, like who, who exactly do you have on him? Right. you like, cause you have two guys, uh, but do you, you know, want to potentially, you know, waste the guy in and completely change the structure of your defense. Um, and like, I think like that's going to be the type of, and that, that's the whole point of this Justin Jefferson in this type of role, right? Whether it's like the Cooper Cup role or whatever, but in this type of offense, when you have this extremely talented wide receiver who can win one-on-one, like you said, like it, it's not going to be a mismatch when the defense is throwing a guy one-on-one. Like you, the offense still has the mismatch there because it's Justin Jefferson. So when you have a guy who can win one-on-one, but then you're potentially scheming him up on all of these, you know, zone beaters that are screwing with your responsibilities um, and, and really testing the, the communication on defense like that that's the entire point of like why we were excited about justin jefferson and like we we definitely got proof of concept in week one um so it's like and they they were doing a lot of things too in minnesota um you know they weren't running a a super high rate of 11 either which we kind of thought you know they might they were using some some 21 looks some 22 looks um you know getting empty with with some different personnel packages so like uh, this is going to be a a lot of fun with this minnesota team because i think they're they're always going to have the right answer i think And, and they're not going to be forced to you know do things that they don't want to do because I think they're just going to have that schematic advantage, like in a lot of games. It leads a lot of play action too, a lot more than we've seen the Vikings use in years past. Uh, Yeah. It's just everything we wanted to see from the Vikings. We got, and if the Packers would have put up more of a fight, we probably would have got to see a lot more fireworks. Uh, Yeah. I mean, 85% (laughs) of Kirk Cousins passes were 10 yards past the line of scrimmage or under yet. He still had six passes of 20 or more yards. Right. So like that's that's kind of the thing, like they were just sitting and picking off and that like they're going to be happy to do that all year. And I think like this is probably a, a defense they can do that to. Um, but imagine then, when this team gets like better wide receivers around Justin Jefferson. Yeah, like that, that too, um, you know. Thielen's you know good for for what he is now he's like not the peak Adam Thielen um you know the KJ Osborne can be okay but like that's fine for like a third guy but yeah if they ever like have um you know good like second or third guys and that's I mean, we we kind of saw that like with the Rams last year, right. right? When they got Odell Beckham, like how much more that opens up Cooper Cup, um, because now you have to you know worry about another receiver. But again, like the only receiver the Packers had to worry about was Justin Jefferson. Like they they couldn't really do it. So that's what's crazy is how that's the thing that that's so in- encouraging about the Vikings is that yeah. they don't have a lot of really good talent. And hell, they didn't even play Herb Smith. It was all Johnny Munt in the game and Kevin O'Connell talked about yeah it was by design like we weren't going to play Irv Smith so like it's like no like Adam Thielen has has had a really great career he's a dude we root for but like Adam Thielen at this stage right now is not a guy that's going to like win a lot on his own so when they finally get some actual talent around here like this thing could be really really explode but uh the Kirk Cousins haters will will hate to see that (laughs) yeah it's just going to be one of those like it Kirk is going to be the guy like when you present him the right answer like he's going to take it and like mm-hmm. I just think this entire offense is going to be built around having the right answer all the time um but if we look at the other side there was you know a kind of similar uh, type thing right uh Jalen Hurts did not throw uh, downfields a lot but uh, 68 um sorry um you know 87.5 percent of his passes were 10 yards past the line of scrimmage or were shorter um there was a lot of you know short throws but also uh, 66.7 of his uh completions went for 10 or more yards so they were able to you know figure out some things after the catch aj brown looked incredible like if that's exactly what you like wanted from aj brown uh jalen hurts uh, willing to throw over the middle of the field you know when you have the best in breaking wide receiver uh in the league there so like they were hitting some of that stuff um Man, it's just like I think like that is a passing offense that is going to look really good too because like they have all of those answers and like you can't you can't play AJ Brown one on one because like he, he's going to kill you no matter what like he had you know there were some you know go routes down the sideline uh, but he was still you know being the AJ Brown and, and having those routes that are you know going to win across the middle of the field and and hurts is he's a good enough passer where he's going to hit that right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we're probably eventually going to see, you know, more Devonte Smith involvement. Like he was barely involved uh, in, in week one. Uh, so like they have more options that they can expand upon too. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see what it looks like uh, against a uh, Vikings defense. Again, that was like, uh, really leaning heavily into the, the Fangio stuff, which we thought like they were, they had the, the most snaps in, in cover six. Uh, so where it's like, a, you know, the, the quarter, quarter half. So you're you know, playing like a too high shell, but kind of a still, you know, middle of the field closed, um, you know, at the coverages. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see like what uh, their minutes are, uh, what Philadelphia's plan uh, is going to be uh, against this defense. And, and how, like, how much can you push the AJ Brown thing? Uh, because uh, they relied on it heavily in week one. Yeah, the Eagles and Hurts didn't play a really clean game. And, you know, it's crazy. He's still going to add so many more fantasy points. Uh, but, you know, uh, right. he, he, you know, he wasn't he wasn't super sharp, though. And, you know, we're going to have spots with Jalen Hurts, the type of players where he has accuracy issues. But, uh, you know, his splits in game one were great against man. And A.J. Brown had 105 of his yards against man coverage, five of his catches. Um but, you know, he didn't have those issues in 2021, Jalen Hurts, that is. So it would be curious to roll over. But he was much worse when the Lions went to zone coverage and, and versus man. And the Lions played the most man coverage in the NFL in week one. So I'm curious. The Vikings aren't going to do that. Like, this this defense isn't going to probably adapt to that really at, at any level. So, like, right. they're going to play a lot more zone. So I feel like that's what you have to do with Hurts is you have to muck it up for him, make him mm-hmm. make throws and make reads. And that's what the Vikings are going to do. So I'm curious to see how he responds in week two. Um, when they actually have guys kind of around AJ Brown this this week, uh, we'll probably see some guys get off. If you're a Lions fan, at least like Jeffrey Akuda look competent. Like, yeah, you were kind of hoping for that, like because it, it was so it went it ran so poorly that you know previously. So at least you feel good. Yeah, he played a role in that Devontae Smith shutdown. Um, but yeah, we'll probably see. We're, if that, Devontae Smith is going to catch zero passes on Monday night. Uh, I'll pick yeah. you over on that. Uh, they still find ways. The guy that they create creatively for is Dallas Goddard. They ran like a really yeah. great, like tight end screen where he, he would have scored. He got tackled at the one. That was another play. Like Hertz had, they had all plays at the one yard line where Hertz got, got bamboozled out of touchdowns out of guys like Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. But <laughs> uh, Dallas Goddard last year, and I talk about this a lot. Like he was, he was like their explosive play guy. It wasn't like so yep. much Devonte Smith. Like he was like Dallas Goddard was the guy that they would scheme and get these big plays out of. Uh, you know, almost 11 yards per target and 15 yards per catch for a tight end is like the stuff people want Kyle Pitts to be doing. And Dallas Goddard in week one, you know, almost 20 yards per catch, you know, on his, you know, he, he didn't get a ton of targets and a ton of looks because AJ Brown is eating so much, but the, he's the guy like that gets these explosive plays and against zone coverages, like he's going to be the, the guy that you have to look for on Monday night to, to scheme open and scheme some of these big plays for. So I'm curious to see if like he becomes like a bigger part of kind of the guy, like it's less of a more of an AJ Brown game in a context, but more of like Dallas Goddard to be the guy that hits those big plays for them. Yeah, we'll see. And, and linebacker, you know, might be the the way you can, you know, get in yeah. the middle of the field against, uh, you know, Minnesota. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the, the back end, they were using, you know, Harrison Smith in, in a bunch of uh, different ways. Uh, hopefully, Lewis Seen uh, it will make his uh, debut. He was out in week one. Um, you know, he's a guy who I think you can add a, a lot to the, the back end of secondary when he plays. So, um, you know, and the, the Minnesota pass rush was, was fun. They were, you know, using some of their bodies that they had, uh, you know, the up front Zaria Smith was, uh, you know, was, was a force a little bit, uh, you know, the revenge game against the yeah, Packers, He was playing with a mission for sure yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if, if he's, he's healthy, he's like the type of guy, like you, you want around that area. So, um, It'll it'll be you know fun to see. Like this is a, a really I think a, a fun, especially on on offense. There's going to be you know two fun um, you know, offenses that are going to work to you know create some of these uh, you know some of these mismatches and use some of those you know type of you know putting their guys in the position to to win. Like we we saw that more than I think we could have imagined uh, week one for, for Minnesota. And I think the, the Eagles are going to, you know, try to do a pretty good job of that too. So uh, this is going to be, you know, a really fun game to watch. Oh yeah. This, I mean, this is the Monday night game I'm looking forward to. I mean, I'm, I'm always, I always want to watch the bills, but this is going to be tough that they, these are going to be overlap at time in these games. It's going to be real yeah. tough. Cause this, this game from a top down perspective is a lot more intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like th- this should be a, a standalone Monday night game. I like, we don't, we don't need the Titans to Titans in prime time. We, we just don't need it. Um, 
<laughs> hey man, you got to watch the Titans uh, in depth. I'm sure uh, on the the Giants are going to be like what four and zero. They're going to be four and zero for sure, right? Okay, the, all right. Well, the Giants did not play well. <laughs> well, my son, you know, my son is a Giants fan, and uh, you know he's been on Cloud Nine all week because he's he sees the opening play out of the schedule, uh, and he's excited, man. He is in. He is back in. He's been pulled back. The meme, you know, just when I thought I was out, and pulled me back in. The Giants had like a thirty percent success rate on offense. They did. I mean, relied on the big plays. They threw eight passes to Richie James. Uh-huh. So I'm I'm going to you at, at like minute like 45. It's by if the Giants just completely <laughs> leaned in to running a triple option with Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, you know Kadarius Sony. You have Wondell Robinson in there too that you could mix in. They'd be a top ten offense, I think. Like just completely lean into the triple option because you have what Daniel Jones does best, which is run. And then you can still, you know, scheme up some of the open deep throws. Like you can just make it like an air force army looking <laughs> type thing. Uh, you stop him from having to just straight drop back, which is the worst thing he does. Yep. Um, I, if, if they pivoted to, to a triple option, I, they, I think be the most fun offense in the league. Um, I mean, they hit him. Was, I mean, Dayball hit Daniel Jones that entire, that entire last drive. They didn't want him to pass. Yeah, like that's I, well, you saw what happened after the red zone interception. Dayball was not happy with that on any level, and yeah, that's, absolutely. that's I mean, what you're getting. But they hit him all be, game. Yeah. But hey, Saquon, there we go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, look good, look healthy. <laughs> if, if it stays that way, but again, like op, option offense, pivot on, to Dan. the option. That's that's playoffs. Um, Leave Dan, come back. <laughs> so. Uh, speaking of, of belief, <laughs> Geno Smith. Let's let's go into it. So this is my highlight. Uh, this is my spotlight game of the week. I'm super intrigued by uh, Seattle, San Francisco. Uh, one because you know the Seattle figured out a way to you know be efficient enough uh, on offense. Like the obviously that that first drive or was half. Great. You know, yeah. So the, <laughs> the first drive was great. It it, it petered out a, a little bit, but you know. I, one of the things that Geno Smith can do well is kind of he's a great intermediate thrower, um, and and I think we we kind of saw that a little bit, especially on that opening drive. You know, he was four or five uh, on um, passes between 11, 19 air yards. So I think like that can be a, a bigger part uh, of of the offense going forward. And I think like that, I think DK Metcalf is a better intermediate route runner than I think he's he's given credit for. Uh, you know, Tyler Lockett is also. Um, so I think like that's where the Seattle offense can can maybe live a little bit once they you know get more, um, you know they they get they get going a little more and and the the, the Shane Waldron offense uh, kind of it takes hold a little bit. So like if if they are going to remain efficient, I think like that's where they can do it. Um, I'm more interested on the other side here because we had the San Francisco 49ers in a complete monsoon against uh the chicago bears like uh, like the worst field conditions you could have from like just rain right like you you couldn't have anything worse from like just rain. that that field was absolutely terrible so i think a lot of people were you know writing off trey lance from whatever you know he showed again you know they're completing like under 50 percent of his passes um but like i'm i'm not that concerned I think it's going to be fine. Uh, I think you kind of saw early, like there there were some hiccups early, but he was also like every play that he had, like was an explosive play. Um, you know, they had, uh, you know, they had Ayuk uh, open early in that game. He had that th- one throw off play action to, um, you know, Ray Ray McLeod that was like perfectly placed, you know, over, uh, over safety um, who was dropping in. Like there are still those throws. And I think in like non monsoon conditions, like those are going to be the type of plays that we see more often out of this offense. Um, and then like they, they couldn't really run that well and then once it got late in the game i think they took their foot off the gas a little bit because i don't think they were expecting chicago to score any points and then all of a sudden you know the bears take the lead uh and then when they had to pass like it it was the worst condition so like i'm not super concerned about the 49ers and i like i think the passing offense is is going to be fine this is a game that is a big kyle shanahan test for me and what kyle shanahan believes yeah 
because it's not just the monsoon. It's still the body of work that Trey Lance has put together. It's just mounting. It's just another log on the fire until Trey Lance comes out and, and, and absolutely destroys someone. But we're just going to keep kicking this can. And he has a spot, Kyle Shanahan, at home against the Seattle team on a short week. Their defense was what we thought they were. They had some lucky plays. They had some fortune swing their way. They got absolutely shredded in that game. They have a spot now where the 49ers can come out and instill Trey Lance. Give him confidence. Come out and be aggressive with him. Let him come out and play. Will they do that? Will Kyle Shanahan do that? I don't know. And I, I it's a big test to see because if Kyle Shanahan does that, then he believes. But if he comes out and they try to do this like run pass split like that was in the first half last week when the conditions weren't great, but they were still all right and they just ran, ran, ran. If that's the plan to just try to like hide Trey Lance like and play like a structure like the Eagles played last year, then it's going to tell me a lot of what Kyle Shanahan really believes. I'm with you. I still believe in the upside of this offense, but until we have that moment, like we're going to keep asking the same questions. Also, it's Thursday. We're a little bit ways out. It's supposed to rain during that game. <laughs> so uh, here like, we go. Rain, rain, is, rain is fine. And I think like even that rain wouldn't have been as bad if like the, well, the soldier field, rain wasn't. field wasn't, you know, whatever that is. Like that's not a playable NFL field, like maybe on a good day, right? Um, well, no, the, we, the we rain that was on in the like, two last two drives was a problem. Like yeah. that was like, that was just, you could even see on the TV. Like, right. They, they had to put in like the, the snow, uh, like overlap when there's a snow game and they have to uh, superimpose in the, the yard lines. Um, they had to do yeah, that yeah, yeah. on the broadcast. <laughs> um, but like the, the soldier field feel just like is, it's terrible. We saw oh, it yeah. in the preseason. Ridiculous. It's just, it's a bad field. So in order for it to like have rain and then that field. So I like, don't think like, especially, yeah, like you said, the, the early game rain, like wasn't bad, but I think when you just add in what that field was, it was awful. Yeah. We just need, uh, until this goes away, it's not going to go away. Like, though, with Trey Lance, like he like we're going to keep bringing up Jimmy Garoppolo, not we, but like, you know, the public. It's, right. it's all going to keep getting brought up until the flames are, are squished. And we've now got him now in three starts, uh, NFL starts. And like we haven't seen enough yet. We've gotten flashes and we see the ceiling of where this thing could go. But until we actually get there, it's just going to keep getting brought up. So, I mean, this is a glorious spot for Kyle Shanahan to come and open the bag, right? Like, he, the Kyle Shanahan should coach the shit out of this game and, and pump Trey Lance's bags. The, will he do it? Remains to be seen. But th- this is absolutely the, the setting for him to come do it. Yeah, it's you would hope, right? And you know, Seattle is going to be you know one of those defenses that is doing cool things uh, again. They're they're they did heavily pivot into you know the the Fangio type stuff that you know, we thought they were going to, but they just like still don't have these the are talent. The people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's and that's fine. Um, you know, they're the the process at least is going to be there. And if you're you know a Seahawks fan, it's a good thing to look forward to. They just don't necessarily have have the pieces right now. Um which is fine. Um, so yeah, I, I want to see it. Uh, you know, we'll, I, we've yeah, all want, we all want to see it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I, I have some, some confidence that, that we will. Um, I'm not, not particularly worried. I think it's going to be fine. Um, all right. So let's, let's go to, uh, your spotlight game and we'll, uh, we'll end on, uh, on this one. Yeah, I, I've got uh, you know the the the, the Bucks Saints rivalry here. Another big one. We, this game is interesting because there's so many still moving parts in the Bucks side. Uh, on Sunday night, the Bucks like did what they needed to do, but was it because like they uh, like it felt like during the game they kind of settled for knowing what they could get by with, and instead of like really kind of you know opening this offense up and. Is that going to be something they can do here? Uh, obviously, you lose another offensive lineman and Donovan Smith. Like, we don't know if he's going to play. Uh, Chris Godwin now is officially going to be out. You know, it's unfortunate that, that, that these things happen. You know, was it a compensation injury or not? But he's not going to play. They're not going to push him now. Leonard Fournette's banged up. Mike Evans is banged up. Well, we're trying to get Russell Gage up to speed. There's still like a lot of moving parts in this Bucks offense. And it was cool because they weren't going to give up any points to that Cowboys offense on Sunday night. Um, but are they able to kind of, you know, put up points here? I mean, this is a defense that has given Tom Brady the most trouble 
you know, the, since he's joined the Buccaneers. I mean, these teams have played five times. Uh, the Saints have won four of them, uh, all four in the regular season. The last two, the last time these teams played, when the Bucs were kind of hobbled in the game, this was the game Godwin tore his ACL. Uh, the Bucs couldn't do anything in that game at all. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how they play. And then the Saints on their side of the ball, like, they had a bunch of questions for three quarters. They looked miserable. Yeah. I mean, against the Falcons, like they looked awful. They had, they had two passing first downs through three quarters of that game. And jail, was it just jailbreak scenario that opened it up? Was it, did they figure something out as it went? I'm curious to see if they actually solve something, uh, you know, internally or just like the game scenario kind of broke out for them and they look what they did through the first three quarters. So like, there's a lot of layers to this game that I think are, are, are really interesting. Obviously it's like a, a big rivalry game too. Uh, so yeah, this, this one from a top down stance is more of a real football like excitement than you're going to see like Bonanza points though. Yeah. And like you kind of look at what we saw with, with the Buccaneers, um, you know, Tom Brady's still doing his crazy Tom Brady thing. Um, on early downs, a second lowest average time to throw at just a 2.22 seconds. Only Mac Jones was faster. 10.3 yard ADOT, uh, which was the highest uh, among quarterbacks on early downs. So still getting the ball out ridiculously quickly, but still throwing the ball downfield. Um it's just uh, an insane combination that we don't see from literally any other quarterback. Um, I'm gonna. Do you do think we're again. ever gonna see quarter like eventually we were so pocket passers? But like, is, is Brady kind of like the last line of like that era of quarterback? Yeah, I, I feel I like mean, Herbert has it in him, but but like yeah, but like, there's not even anyone like from Brady's era is still doing that. <laughs> like there's. It, we we haven't seen like getting the ball out that quickly and pushing the ball downfield mm-hmm. like we we saw it like, with the quarterbacks that are you know starting to uh, embrace the the shorter passes and the quicker passes you know we see like you said up top you know Josh Allen had like seventy five percent of his passes were within two and a half seconds but he was throwing it like three yards past the line of scrimmage um, it's just it's absolutely insane like what Brady and this structure of this offense. Um, has been able to do especially like with how they're now you know rotating in receivers right you still have mike evans but julio jones is freaking apparently julio jones again like this dude was running jet sweeps like in no place like during the last like two years of julio jones would we have expected like that version of him to be able to like successfully run a jet sweep um but he you know shows up in tampa and any we any talked about it last week though he still played well last year it was more of a, a variable like practice yeah he was i mean he was he was okay but like he wasn't like explosive he looked great it's julio jones baby yeah so i i'm I don't know how I feel about the Saints because, like you said, for most of the game, they were absolutely terrible. Probably should have lost to Atlanta if Arthur Smith mm-hmm. hunt, or goes for it on like a fourth and one that like every head coach uh, in the league should go for at this point. Um, Arthur Atlanta Smith, still probably man, this wins guy, that game. we gotta, we gotta. Arthur Smith and Matt Rule, like they need these guys need canceled for sure. I mean, the, the thing about the Falcons is like they were doing some fun stuff that worked. It was like 40% of their snaps were in pistol. Like all of that stuff that like we thought would be like kind of cool from the preseason. Like they, they did it and it, and it worked. Um, and then they just kind of, you know, they Falcons themselves, which just kind of happens. But uh, so uh, I'm not sure how I feel about the Saints going into mm-hmm. this game. So like how they, you know, do they have the the typical um, we've, we have the best defensive plan we've ever had against Tom Brady type thing that they do every time they play. Um and like, can can the offense, you know, do anything? I, I'm real interested to see like what is the real Saints offense, um, because I think that's that's definitely going to be a question going forward. Because if it's yeah, I mean, the, anything remotely like early in the game, like that's going to be that's not passable. I mean, the the biggest question for the Saints coming in, you know, on offense was you know going to be pass protection again, and a Falcons team that was literally the worst pass rushing team in the NFL last year doesn't really add significant talent over there like they were living in the backfield yeah. there was a lot of blown assignments and just like i mean winston was under pressure and then like i said the, the jailbreak scenario opens up and they're able to, to like connect on some things but yeah and, and 
you know, they use Alvin Kamara in a, a, a unique fashion. And he obviously picked up the late game injury, but he passed blocked the most he has ever passed blocked in his career, which was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause Pete Carmichael has been there the entire time Alvin Kamara has been there and the utilization of Alvin Kamara was really unique. Um, so yeah, the saints were a team that uh, they were really tough to like put like a, a thumb on and defensively they, they struggled in the run game. I do wonder how much of that was just like, you know, defending the quarterback run stuff. Um, and if that's something that will be sticky, I mean, this is a team that basically not for one year for like the last several years has been one of the best run defenses in the NFL. And they've kind of like hung their hat on that. Obviously the Bucks they're getting that too. Uh, so this is a game that could be one other one of those games that we talked about, like with Miami, uh, Baltimore that like, we're, it's very interesting from like a schematic stance, but like, could be one of these games that like, if you're here for the touchdowns, you might not be, you might, you might be waiting. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has the the potential to be, you know, one of those games. Um, yeah, so there we go. I'll rent through rent through five games. Some some thoughts on some other teams. I, we do. We're we're getting into it. It's keeps keeps moving along. Um, so if you have uh, not read the worksheet, uh, which yeah, you should be doing. I think every week uh, you can find that on uh, Sharp Football. Uh, analysis.com we have a lot of other uh, great content uh, going up on the site you know the betting fantasy uh pretty much whatever you're looking for up on sharpfootballanalysis.com now so uh you can find rich on twitter at lord reeves you can find me on twitter at tampa Zuda. thank you guys for listening and we will talk to you again soon <laughs>